Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His church and His bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how His church and His kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the Word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be His unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of His Word, His love, and His presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's Word today. So may God bless you all. Pastor Greg mentioned I'm a missionary uh, serving with Youth with a Mission in Switzerland. So uh, we can go through a little bit. So for those of you who haven't met me, yeah, we can hit the next one. There we go. Um, I grew up in the valley um, and, as Pastor Greg said, have a real deep passion for the use of media. So I work with photography and video, web design, graphic design, things like that. They're very, very near and dear to my heart. I'm very passionate about that creativity. You can also see my family here. So, uh, yeah, we can continue on. So, <laughs> um, so I got started uh, in missions in 2018. So growing up, my family had done some shorter-term missions trips, and that really, um, from a very early age, instilled this love for sharing God's love with people um, of different places uh, into my kind of heart. And then it, when I had finished um, high school and was looking for what God had next for me, I went to uh, Mexico and did a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission, and that was kind of my entry into the world of being a missionary. Um, I went on outreach to uh, India, which was uh, quite a, an adventure, if you can imagine, um, and we had a very unique focus. We were using photography, we were a team of photographers, and we were using them to get to know people and to open up doors to talk to them about the gospel. So we would take these small battery-powered printers along with our cameras into the slums and into the low-income areas of uh, some Indian cities, and we would offer to take a photo for someone and we could print it out for, it, for them and give it to them right there. And through that, you also build a bridge to connect with people, and we were able to do some amazing things uh, during that time. So while this was happening, I was praying, okay, God, what is next after that? And at that point, uh, a door kind of out of nowhere opened up and someone invited me to come and uh, become a missionary in Switzerland and join the location there. Now, this was a little bit out of the blue, but I said, okay, God, I'll pray. And if you want this to happen, if this is your will, I am 100% on board. I just need a really clear yes, and I'm, I'm in. So later that day, I got a really clear yes, and I did not know why I got that really clear yes until later on. Um, and then at the beginning of 2020, I went over to Switzerland. Now, the reason that that yes was so important is because, as Pastor Greg mentioned, a couple months after I arrived there, COVID came. And Switzerland was um, a lot more locked down than it was here. At one point, we could only have 10 people in a room at once. So imagine this room, but you can only have 10 people inside of it. 
So all of a sudden, everything that we do had to go onto video, and it was really um, a challenging time, but I had the assurance that I was in the right place and that God had his hand over it because of the yes I had received way back when I was first considering it. So we can continue on. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Youth with a Mission is an international missions organization uh, specifically focused on young people. There's about 20,000 active missionaries around the world. We're working in 180 countries officially. Um, and the emphasis is training up and getting young people involved in missions because there are so many passionate young people around the world, but there has to be a good ramp to get them into missions and to give them the training and the skills that they need to share the love of God with the whole world. So I'm specifically located, uh, we can go to the next one, in Switzerland. So it's this little country here, uh, sandwiched in between Italy, France, and Germany. Um, you can fit eight Switzerlands inside Montana. <laughs> so it is uh, very, very small. Um, and I have to clear out one thing. It is not Sweden, just, just, to, just to clarify. <laughs> I just like to mention this, you know, think about cheese and chocolate and Heidi, um, not Ikea. Okay, good? <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so more specifically, inside of Switzerland, um, I'm located in a city here in the west called Lausanne. Um, it's a very old city. It was actually established by the Romans, believe it or not. Um, and there is a lot of very rich history of the church and the Reformation came through there. And so it's uh, very evident in the city. Um, although sadly today, um, it's somewhat forgotten. Um, in Switzerland, only about 4% of people uh, attend church on a Sunday morning. Um, so that is um, a very small percentage compared to what North America has, but things are changing and there's, um, there's an amazing new wave of young people who are getting passionate about faith and moving, and it's really exciting to see that happen, and I'll talk about that a little bit more um, later on. So you might be wondering, uh, or I guess I should ask, uh, add a little bit more about the location. So I work with YOM Lausanne. Uh, it's the first ever training location that Youth with a Mission opened up way back in 1969. Um, so many years before most of us were around. <laughs> um, and the main focus is training people. So we have courses that we run throughout the year, training people on things like uh, Bible, counseling, worship ministry, um, uh, community development, lots of different things. And we send outreach teams of young people that we've trained all over the world. Um, and then in addition to that, we also um, are a hub for global ministries around the world, including community development centers. We have um, some anti-trafficking things going on. I can't give you too many details, but if you want more, I can talk to you in the back afterwards. Um, <laughs> And then if we continue on, so you might be wondering, uh, we can go back one more, there we go. So you might be wondering how you use media in ministry, right? This is a little bit interesting. So uh, we create uh, things and we release them out into the world. So we, here's a couple of examples. You'll see there's this reclaimed up at the top. So we released and created a, a documentary series uh, telling people's stories and testimonies of young people who um, God has moved in a radical way in their life. And so we had a whole bunch of, a whole range of people that we um, did these interviews with, and then we released them out um, into the online world. Um, and thousands of people have now watched them and been encouraged by them. And I like to draw the comparison that media today is the modern day printing press. 
So way back in the 1500s, um, Christians were at the forefront of communication technology with the printing press, with the, the Gutenberg Bible, right? We, we all know this. And today, we're standing on the edge of the same kind of rev revolution, but it's all focused online. Young people, as most of us know, we love our phones. <laughs> that is how we get our information and how we communicate. And so that's also then the medium in which we need to connect with them, right? That, that's the way that we have to reach out. You have to go where the fish are. I think this is a, a phrase I, I learned from Pastor Greg. Um, and so <laughs> we also create online training materials. That's what the yellow and black and white guy are the standing there is. Um, we create Bible courses and leadership courses um, that we then send around the world. And so people in places where there aren't good access to Bible teachers um, or leadership or these different topics can still get the quality of teaching um, if they're curious about it. And so this course that we created is used all around the world, um, this Bible one, um, especially in Africa, where access, again, is limited. And then we also do things like our podcast, which we're just getting started up. Um, that's a, a newer thing that we're doing where we have different um, teachers and different missionaries and people that work um, in a Christian context who do different things, talk about how they apply their skills or their passions in ministry. So uh, one of our early examples was a gal who is an event organizer. And so she organizes big outreaches, um, events where they invite Christian artists and uh, evangelize and things like that. And she was talking about how she got to that point, both working from her professional career and also from a ministry context and how she's been able to bring her skills and what she has and make an impact for the kingdom with it. And so we, we try to create things that are either reaching out to people, encouraging people, or inspiring people. Those are kind of our three big categories. And then to create these things, we can go to the next one. We also, or I also train people. And so we have lots of young people and youth with a mission. Um, <laughs> however, young people have, have a lot of passion, but oftentimes very little skill. And so <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of the tragedy of it, but we train um, people. I have people that come and intern with me, um, and I'm formally trained in kind of most areas of media production. And so I'm able to bring them in if they're curious or if this is an area that they're kind of um, touching on and they can work alongside and learn as we create these things. So we use the things that we create to reach out as an excuse to train young people, and not only in the technical skills that they need, but also in the heart behind it, and how to use that and how to communicate with integrity, how to communicate the gospel well, how to um, put things together in a way that is really engaging for people. And so it's a really powerful combination. Um, we also have some seminars that we run from time to time where we have missionaries from all around the world that are interested in learning how to communicate better that will come for a week and they learn um, how to either take photos. We've done one on photos. We've done one on how to create videos. Um, and we're trying to equip more missionaries to communicate what God is doing because God is doing amazing things all over the world. Amen? Exactly. But so little of it is shared. So little of it is communicated. And I don't know about you, but when I hear stories about a, a man who has prayed for people and has raised people from the dead, that builds my faith. And I, I hope it does the same for you as well, right? 
And so we need to teach more missionaries how to share. And so that is a, a big part of what we're doing. And starting in January, we're launching a six-month training course that's going to be much more intense um, and really allow um, people to dig into how to communicate and also how to use that in ministry. And so I'm really looking forward to that. We can go to the next one. So then one of the other pieces that I'm involved in with is communicating about the schools and the programs and the things that the YWAM base does. And so we run about 15 different courses a year um, on all different range of topics, and it takes someone to get the word out about that. Um, and so this takes a lot of different forms. Some of it is marketing, um, communicating, creating things to share with people, flyers, stuff like that. And for me, this was always a little bit at the beginning of a tension point because I didn't think it was as spiritual as the other things that we do. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, we're just marketing. And then my, my, my kind of thinking was switched when I heard the testimony of a girl who ran across one of our ads by chance, and she was at an intersection in her life, and she didn't know what she was going to do next. She had been teaching English as a second language, um, and her contract had expired, and she didn't really know what was next, and so she was praying about it, and she ran across an ad that we had created. Fast forward a year, she came and did one of our missions training courses and then has gotten involved in doing English teaching as a missions focus. And so she's trained people and worked, and now she's, I believe, in somewhere in Asia, and she's teaching people how to uh, speak English, but then also able to reach them because of her profession and the influence that she has as an instructor, which is incredible. And all of that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't been communicating and reaching out to people. So we can go to the next one. Now, looking in a little bit more locally, so a lot of the things that we do are sending things out over the internet, so it's very location independent, so I can create something in Switzerland that reaches someone in Montana who then sends it to someone in, I don't know, South America, and you know, it's, it's very non-geolocation um, non dependent. Um, we also do a lot of work in uh, Switzerland in terms of outreach. And so, uh, like I said, Switzerland is, it has a lot of amazing Christian heritage and history, um, and a lot of that has been lost, but it's coming back. And so we organize big events um, all throughout uh, different areas around us, and we have things where people will, will invite in Christian artists and people to perform and share the gospel that way. We do, um, we'll, we'll book out big squares in the city, and we have people come and we'll do worship, and we share testimonies and preach the gospel to people, hand out Bibles, things like that. Um, and then also we'll, we just go out into the streets and we'll spark up conversa or conversations with people. Now, you'll see there's this little picture of the printer with the camera kind of in the corner there. So that is one of those battery-powered printers. And one of the things that I've worked really hard on over the last couple of two years is developing a ministry around street photography as a way to, get, uh, to reach people. So this is a little bit uh, interesting. So we have people that learn about photography, and then we take them out into the city and we'll approach people and we ask them if they would like a portrait and then we can print it for them. And so we'll, we'll do that. We have very creative photographers, so we kind of, I have to train them up so that you get a, a photo quality that's uh, good enough that the person would want it. <laughs> but it's not too, too challenging. And we then just spark up a conversation there. And so while the photo is printing, we have a chance to interact with the person. And you might be wondering, how do you get from, here's a photo of you, to the gospel? 
And there's a really amazing way, because nine times out of 10, the person will ask you, why are you doing this? It's a little bit strange. Uh, I, I would have the same question if someone walked up and said, hey, can I take your picture and print it out for you, right? This is a natural curiosity. And at that moment, we have the opportunity to say, well, we're, we're Christians, and we believe that every human is made in the image of God and is infinitely valuable, and we want to remind you of that today. And you would be amazed at the impact of just that little piece of encouragement. We've had people that have right there on the spot, like broken down crying and saying, thank you, I just needed to hear that. We've had people who have come to Christ right then and there, and we connect them with a local church. And it's amazing the, the doors and things that you open up by showing such a, not, not random, but such a strategic act of kindness to people. The world is kind of always beating down on people, telling them that they're not enough or that they're bad or different things like that. And just having that little reminder of who they are in Christ and who we know them to be in Christ is infinitely powerful. So, yeah, so those are some of the, the things that I've been working on over the last year. Um, at the beginning of the year, I also took a, a step and moved up into leadership. So I, had, I went over in 2020 and then have been there for, I had been there for about two years um, when the opportunity came up to step up and become the leader for communication of the whole um, campus. And so it was a, a bit of a big step. Um, I'm definitely still learning things. It's a, a lot to grow into. Um, but I, it's been amazing to watch God's faithfulness uh, in providing people and the right uh, input and advice and things as I go and having um, such an amazing base of people, uh, you, you guys included, who pray for and support and are standing with me. And that gives me um, a lot of encouragement internally to know that I'm not over there alone. Um, but you guys are all there with me in a way. And so, yeah. So if we continue on, if you guys are interested in getting in, or, oh, I, I, we can go back one. I almost forgot the most important part of my, uh, my presentation. Oops. <laughs> Public speaking is a, a growing thing for me, if you can't tell. Um, so this is a, a photo of the people who have been working with me for the last couple of months. Um, in YWAM, people transition through quite frequently. Um, and so at any given point, my team can look very different. Um, but this is the one that has been with me for the last couple of months, most of them. And the guy in the tan sweater that's kind of giving the, the little peace sign. So his name is David, um, and he's from Spain. Now, David, a couple of years ago, uh, he's been trying to figure out what to do in life. He's, he's very creative and has many interests. Um, at one point, he was learning how to be a zookeeper. Um, he was learning how to be a tailor at one point. And so kind of trying to figure out, OK, where do I fit in the world? What's, what's my kind of calling? Um, he had had uh, some experience making videos, I believe, on TikTok and had had some minor success there and kind of thought that that was fun. And he saw one of the advertisements that we had created for one of our Bible courses. Now, he had grown up in a Christian family and was looking for a way potentially to grow deeper in his faith. And so he said, well, this looks interesting. I might check that out. <laughs> so he came and did some courses with us, and I met him. And we got talking, and he said, oh, I'm, I really like the communication stuff that you guys do, the media that you produce. It's very interesting. I'm kind of interested in that, but I've never really gone very far with it beyond just working with my phone. And I said, well, why don't, uh, we'll see if we can get your work duties uh, adjusted, because he was doing another course at the time. And you can come and work a little bit with me in my office, and maybe I can teach you a few things. Because I, I love it when I find people that have similar passion. It just oh, makes me so happy. <laughs> so he came and started working. 
and uh, it, was, it was very slow going at the beginning. He is of the generation that has not used a desktop computer. So that's how far you can see the generations have moved. So there's the people that have never used computers, there's the people who have used computers, and now there's the people who have only worked on their phones. So, <laughs> so it was a little bit slow going at first, but he kind of quickly got a liking for it, started enjoying what we were creating, and it kind of unlocked something in him a bit in terms of his creativity, and all of a sudden he had kind of the right way to, to channel it, and he loved the mix of the purpose that we had with, with working for the kingdom. And so he continued to work and continue to kind of be around, and then he eventually ended up interning with me for about five months. Now today, he can do, he's a, a photographer, got a camera and got, uh, has gotten into that. He now can work in pretty much all the design software that we use. He's creating videos and he's just kind of unlocked this whole new passion and realization of his calling. Um, and now he's to the point where he's saying, I'm going to work as a, a Christian influencer online. Like there are so many things in these online spaces where Christianity is not well represented. And I think it's my calling to be that representation. And so he's creating things, and it's, it's really exciting to watch him grow um, as we've trained him in many different ways, but especially in this media thing. And actually, while I'm away over here, he's the one running the show while I'm gone. And so that is just how far he's come, and it's really exciting to see that kind of spark in someone else. And for me, it's also a bit of an echo of how I got into media. It was someone saying, well, you're interested in it, why don't you give it a try? You know, why don't, why don't I show you a few things and then you can figure it out and work on it? And I'm glad that now I can kind of echo that experience and give it to, to the other people on my team and help them grow um, in amazing ways. So anyway, now we can go towards the wrap up. <laughs> so one of the biggest uh, prayer requests I have, or requests is for prayer. Um, we know that the enemy does not like what we are doing. He doesn't want to see the online world, or Switzerland for that matter, um, be filled with uh, Christians and with good content and with the gospel. Um, and so if you wouldn't mind praying for me, that would be amazing. I have some prayer cards and some chocolate from Switzerland in the back. <laughs> I always have to bring that up. Um, now you might be wondering what are some good things to pray for. So first of all is more people, um, especially more people to train up. I, I love doing that and it's always kind of a bit up in the air who is going to be around to train. So for more people to, to come on that front and then also just for the overall ministry that we're doing um, as well. Now, there are more specifics, and if you want a more up-to-date feed, I have a lovely email newsletter, if I do say so myself, full of beautiful photos. It's a bit of a passion for me <laughs> that I send out once a month, and I'll have a sign-up sheet in the back as well um, if you guys would like to follow along a little bit closer as to what is happening. Um, and then, as Pastor Greg mentioned, all YWAM missionaries are self-supported, um, and the church supports me, which is amazing, and I'm very thankful for. Um, but if you're interested in personally um, supporting me, I would be very, very thankful for that. I have information uh, on my blog about how to do that and how to get it all set up. And then the other thing is, maybe you're standing at a crossroads in your life, and you're wondering, um, what's next? And if that is the case, um, I would love to talk to you about YWAM and there's uh, opportunities for volunteering, there's training, there's many different things, or maybe you know someone um, and I would be absolutely uh, honored to connect you somewhere in the world, we're, we're everywhere, so anywhere you're interested in going or volunteering, there's probably a YWAM base and there's probably a way that you can get involved. So yeah, that is what I've got. <laughs> I always... Uh... I always like to uh, pray from Ben from Switzerland. 
and also prayed over Billy as he prepares uh, to go to Titus for traveling um, overseas. I wanted to take a, a pause from our our First Corinthians. We're almost done with the First Corinthians letter. Uh, but I want to talk about just uh, our missional purpose and presence, uh, because we, as I said, a small church, but we we believe in being missional. Uh, missional is important because God is a missional God, uh, and He has given His church a mission to accomplish. And in light of the mission of God, God has purposely equipped His church, you and me, uh, for mission. And the church then must discover God's mission. What is God's mission that he would have for us? Um, and join together with what he is doing. Uh, what are you doing, God? What do you want? How do you want me to get involved with that mission? God has a solution for every city and every community, and he's ready to be asked for his leadership and his guidance. Are you uh, ever afraid to ask God for his leading and his guidance? Because he might send you to eastern, darkest Africa. Have you ever, you know, all those places? I don't ever want to ask God what that is. But sometimes you get to go to beautiful places like Switzerland too. So, <laughs> right? Um, our God is on mission. And his, and his plan works. It does work. Sometimes it's a little, well intimidating, you may say, because when you step out in faith, uh, it's not always in knowing everything. And if you're, like I said, I have moved a lot from being a logical person most of my life of thinking things through and planning and getting things done. Um, I'm a do-it person, um, and I like to get, you know, my jobs done. But God doesn't always work according to our plans <laughs> and according to logic. He doesn't always work in that way because he may stretch you and call you to a deeper level of faith that is just like, ah! And as you've heard stories and such as, you know, our YWAM people that we've supported, we've had a lot of youth out of our church over the years go to YWAM, and it's stretching for me as a parent. It's like, what do you mean you don't have a plane ticket and you're going to the airport? You know, what? It's like, <laughs> you don't do that. That's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I'm leaving next week, and Billy says on the, on the 26th he needs $3,000 more. How many of that you would, that, that would stop you right now? Well, good, I'm glad. <laughs> For some of you, just like, nope, I don't have it. I'm not going. But, our God is a supplier of our needs. And he does sometimes call us to radical faith like that. And that's what it means to be on mission. A lot of times living by faith, not just by sight. And he is aware of where he sends you. He's aware of the culture, the setting uh, in which we live. And he knows the redemptive inner that needs to be done. And this is why it's important for us as a people to be open to what God would speak for his creative purposes in order to be missional, missional, that is. Then overall, the church must see itself as a missional and sent people. Do you believe that? I am a missional 
sent person. Um, wherever you are, just as Jesus modeled going to the people, he didn't wait for them to come to him. Although he did have crowds coming to him, uh, he went out to them. And I'm a believer in that. You know, that's why I'm also not just active in this building as the pastor. You know, please come to me, you know, and I'll make an, I'll see if I have a time in my appointment, you know. To, you know, I thought that at one time, believe it or not, I did. I thought that was how you did ministry. Uh, early on in my years of ministry, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'll just go to the office and make, you know, get my secretary to, you know, schedule that in. And I learned very quickly, especially after moving to Montana, you have to go to them. You have to find them. And so I'm active in my community. Um, I like to pastor Polson Foursquare Church, but I also pastor uh, the valley, the entire valley, the reservation. I pastor uh, the people, and, and for some in, over the years, being active and volunteer firefighter and chaplain um, and work in the ambulance and stuff. I love it because I put my tool belt on in, in other ways. Uh, I believe in a lot, having a lot of tools. And, and I use whatever tool at the moment that I need to use at that time. Uh, and so God uses that way, just like we heard about using photography. You use different tools to reach different people. Uh, it isn't just like some of the people in, in our ball field, you know, that's what Ben was saying, go to where the fish are. God called me to build a ball field so that we can literally have people coming to our front yard to minister to them by way of sports. And God spoke to me that years ago. Uh, cast your net on the other side. Go to where the fish are. And, uh, you know, bring them to you. Bring them to, find different tools of reaching people in your community, but don't just always wait them for them to darken the doors of your building because they might not do that. They might not come to a building, but we represent on mission going to them and reaching the people because we are the church, not just the church building, right? We are the church, the people of God. God sent us out with a great commission, Matthew commission in Matthew 28. And it's not a great suggestion. It's a great commandment to go. And so the mission of the church is not solely relegated just to the fivefold ministry as described in Ephesians 4.11 of uh, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. And I'm missing one. Did I say them all? Maybe I said Okay. <laughs> I think I said them all. It's not relegated just to five callings to reach the people. No. You know what? Rather, it is actually given to those, what you might, sometimes those are described as office gifts or, or the leadership of the church gifts. Um, it's not relegated to that. But is, as Paul stated in Ephesians, these are the church leaders that are preparing others to do the work of the ministry. That is my calling as a pastor is to prepare you to do the work of the ministry, not me to do the work of the ministry and you just to listen. <laughs> I mean, it is actually for you to be equipped and to, to be sent out in different ways and in your gifts and your talents. 
And it might be a hands-on person. You're an acts of service person, but it might be a media person that we've heard about today. It might be, you know, just a teacher or pastor, you know, or worship. You know, there's all kinds of different ministries that you could be active in. Some of you are evangelists. The mission of the church is not relegated just for the pastors and teachers and, and evangelists and such. So, First and foremost, the writer of Hebrews described Jesus as the one high priest and mediator between God and man. You can read about in Hebrews 7 through and also chapter 10. But the priestly role of the church is to the people corporately, uh, not, not individually. And so being said, church leaders such as pastors like myself to all within the church family need to lead in release, releasing others in their gifts, their talents, and for you to be equipped to accomplish the mission of God and reach the world around us for Christ. Along with the mission of God is the essential role, I must say this, the essential role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, his empowerment for the church to be a witness to the world. Paul understood when he shared this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. This is an important thing that Paul knew, even though, again, he had a head knowledge of God as a Pharisee of Pharisees and studied with a school of Gamaliel, and he was, he was the Ivy League of Pharisees. Uh, but he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom or human logic, but on God's power. So he says, all that is behind me now. Just of the, all the knowledge I had, just like I talked about Tom Waymore and, and others that have experienced a revelation of God. And you know, I want you to know the power of God, not just all my, hey, look at me. I'm... I, I'm very knowledgeable, I'm wise, you know, and I got my degrees and all of that. But I want you to know that the importance of the Holy Spirit, also described by Luke in Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost was the launching point for the church. The church began from the day of Pentecost. From that day on, that's when the church was birthed. And Jesus knew that, and he says, don't go anywhere there, he's already given the Great Commission, but he said, don't go anywhere until you receive from on high the Holy Spirit and his empowerment. Because if you go out, it's going to be disastrous without, without the Holy Spirit empowering you to do that. And so he instructed his disciples to wait for the gift my father had promised. And then he said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where I get the here, near, far. Just as we as a church believe in the here, near, far, that's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. God calls us here to Polson, but he also calls us uh, to be present or to have activities in other places, and that's what we do. Being missional requires presence, and missional presence is about being the love and the grace and the truth and the compassion of Jesus to all. 
How are we at demonstrating the love of Jesus? How are you at demonstrating the love of Jesus to those around you? To those that God puts in your path? What it really means is, are we spending time in the presence of God? Because in his presence is where the Holy Spirit changes us so that we become like Jesus, more like Jesus, and his characteristics and his power start to show up in our lives. Hopefully his power, demonstrated by love, the fruit of the Spirit, starts to show in our life. People start seeing love and you go, you know, you weren't such a loving person before, but now you are. It's like, hopefully that's a, hopefully that's a, a good quality that people see in you. There's a, different books I've read um, in recent years. One is a, a book called Planting Missional Churches by Ed Stetzer and Daniel Imes. Uh, they say in their book, they say, in, this is page eight if you're taking notes, <laughs> a quote from them. It says, the, the word missional means adopting a posture of a missionary, joining with Jesus on mission and learning and adapting to the culture around you while being and remaining biblically sound. And so that's a, that's a good description of what being missional is. Uh, if you want to read a good book also, and one that I had read in recent years, uh, you can check out the one by Todd Bolsinger, um, Canoeing the Mountains. It's a great book on, on being missional, and they talked about how they've had to adapt and change uh, in leadership, and he's using the story in the book he writes about Lewis and Clark Expedition uh, throughout Montana, as you know, uh, the history here that they set out with their team, uh, the core of discovery, they called it, to find the Northwest Passage uh, to the Pacific Ocean. Thomas Jefferson commissioned them to go, and they sent this team out. And so they started going up the Missouri River, and they came to what? Great Falls. They got to Great Falls, and they go, there's mountains in the way. It doesn't just flow down to the Pacific Ocean like we had thought. And so he talks about it in this book that going up in their canoes, they thought they were just going to canoe all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Well, guess what? They had to toss their canoes and get horses instead. Um, but lo and behold, they found out, you know, they had to adapt. They had to change. The Rocky Mountain front was like nothing they'd ever seen before on the East Coast. They don't have these mountainous, you know, Rocky Mountains like they do here. They have molehills. I mean, <laughs> they have hills. I've heard about their ski slopes over on their East Coast, and they're just like, what? That's a bunny slope. That's a bunny run. <laughs> you know, but they're, you know, until you come here and then you see some of the mountains. And... Uh, they ended up having to get rid of those, those canoes and begin to cross these rugged, rocky mountains. Uh, legends and stories and maps were all wrong, and they would have to change their plans or their mission. They would have to set out into this uncharted territory and stay true to their mission. Now, about five years ago, um, we sought out as a church leadership and myself to begin to pray and say, God, would you help us re, uh, redefine our mission? Would you help us to understand what we are as a church family? Because we've 
yes, we have a vision, but maybe it was too broad and we needed to uh, narrow it down. So as we had uh, our guest last week, Rod Kopp, um, he is very talented with um, going in as a consultant, and he did it for free. He does this where he went to businesses, and you, you know, they pay him well to go into businesses and help him con, uh, consult and give him ideas. He came here um, out of our Great Falls Church. He's a pastor. Um, and he just began to help us uh, develop and, and to pray, seek the Lord on it, redefining our mission, who we are as a church. And it took over a year process of editing and defining it. And it is important that we also regularly remind ourselves what that is. Uh, because we have to talk about, you know, if you hear becoming like Jesus together, that is um, our mission statement. But our vision statement is empowered love, creating community. That is uh, important for us to be and understand and what that looks like and what that's part of our ministry. In the 20 plus years I've been a pastor of this church, I've experienced many things and it's definitely changed my perspective on how to be missional, especially here in rural Montana, and I've had to adapt a lot. I've had to change many times. I've had to stay flexible. And in the same way, like Lewis and Clark had to uh, make changes and stay true to their mission, this is kind of how we are staying true to the mission God has called us to be as a church family as well. So I just want to briefly give these to you if we have them. I don't, I don't know. Do we have them on there, Billy? Yeah, so our vision statement is empowered, love, creating community. That's easier to remember than a long sentence that we had before. Uh, mission statement, becoming like Jesus together. Um, and we have core values with that that kind of describe how uh, we're not just inward focused, but we're outward focused as well, just as we talked about. Um, and the acronym of L-I-F-E, the L stands for these core values of loving through service. We, we serve. This is our outward focus. So there's times we're going to be emphasizing outward focus. Um, and here's a sentence or a description of that. We are committed to love and serve others, giving generously, creating community, and bringing God's love to the world. Then we talk about the I part, and that is identity in Christ. This is our personal, more connection with, with God. What I'm talking about, are we find our identity in Christ through salvation? Um, but then which leads to our purpose and our calling of discovering our gifts. And we want to help people discover their gifts and their talents. Then there's the F part, the family of God. We as a church, there are you know times where we uh, are in Word focus, we intentionally purpose a growing community of believers through discipleship and authentic relationships, connection. We have to be connected um, in a lot of ways. So, and then E is encountering God's presence. The upward focus that we believe we are transformed, healed, body, soul, and spirit, and as we encounter God's word, his presence, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this took a long time of praying about this and trying to define this better, but that is a picture of who we are as a church family, and, and I would just want to keep emphasizing that so you, you're not in the dark about it. Uh, you can understand, and, and we can define it a little more if you, you like more, but uh, what we are and what we do as a congregation 
should revolve around this. This is kind of like our DNA. Um, this is what we bleed. This is what determines what we should be pres- keep preserved and focused on. And so Todd Bolsinger, that book, said this in his book. In, in, uh, he said, The focused shared missional purpose of the church or organization will trump every other competing value. It's more important than my preferences or my personal desires. It's the grid by which we evaluate every other element in the church. And the key question is, does it further our mission? And so, you know, there's a lot of people with all kinds of ideas, and we just have to kind of make sure that we're staying true to what God has called us to be. Because we're... And some people have come to me over the years and go, you know, why don't we do this? Or why could we do this and do, you know, a lot of different styles. And I'm going, you know, we're, we're true to our mission and there's another church that might suit you better for that. You know, and, that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not trying to please everybody and, and there are certain desires or things, you know, there's a better church that might fit your, your mission or vision on that. And so I and I have a lot of great relationships and friends with my local pastor friends. So you know I'm okay with doing that. Um, what I do want everyone to know, and this is our first point, is missional vision starts with seeking God. Has to always start with seeking God. And uh, I want everyone to know that vision must first and foremost come by leading of the Holy Spirit, who He says that we are. And that's what we did. We say, God, who are we? And that's important for any of us to know. God, who are you and what are you called us to be? Not just called us to do. Not just doing. We're not human doings. We're human beings. God, what are you called us to be? And this is how we define us as a family. More than my wants, my desires as, as a pastor or anything else, it's hearing the voice of God and giving clarity to our DNA. In the last number of years, you know, you might have done the DNA ancestry test. Did you do that? Our kids bought us one uh, several years ago that you spit in the little thing and then you send it off and you t- learn how many Neanderthal people that you're connected with. Um, and I'm like, oh, I have a little bit of Neanderthal. In me. And no, I don't even believe in that part. But, I, um, but it does talk about all the different uh, historical things. And, and then it connects you with people... Uh, so we, our kids bought us, I think, for Christmas one year we did that. And, and I found out that I have a lot of people in my DNA that have like 0.02% of this majorly distant cousin somewhere else in the world. So I, I'm not going to probably try to call them or send them a private, hey, we're like connected like one trillionth of a percent. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can if you want, if that's really excites you uh, to do that. But uh, I haven't done that. But it did, like my other uh, media family members, it did connect us and say, you are the brother of this person. I'm like, that's true. He is my brother. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the most I got was like from besides my immediate family, like um, three or four percent or something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, all these different DNA tests that you can see now uh, and find out family members you didn't even know you had. And some things 
you may discover is uh, some of the stories passed down through the family are either confirmed or totally fake. <laughs> it's just like, I thought I was, you know, Scandinavian, but nope. <laughs> no, I don't have any Scandinavian in me at all. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, Jill and I did it, and, we, you know, I still get these emails. You, 300 more ancestors have been found that link to your DNA, and I'm like, oh, great. Um, uh, talking about seeking the Lord and writing down the vision, I read, you know, I read, reread this scripture again the other day, and that's uh, the main text today is Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, and look at it together. Habakkuk asks God specific questions in chapter 2, and he waits and he listens to, for God to give him the answer. And then he writes it down, what he hears. He said uh, this in chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, he said, I will climb, I like the Good News Bible version of this. It says, I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord will tell me to say and what answer he will give me to my complaint. Because he was complaining. And the Lord gave me this answer. Write down the re what I reveal to you or write down the revelation that I'm going to give to you. Uh, so this is what he said in, in, in verse 2 and 3. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits for an appointed time. And it speaks to the end and will not prove, prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So as far as the background, the, the, the context of Habakkuk, very little is known about this prophet. Uh, the only other information we have of him is that he tells us, uh, because in Habakkuk chapter 3, he calls himself a prophet. And in this second chapter in uh, the second verse, the Lord speaks to him and commands Habakkuk to write down the vision or write down that revelation that he's going to give to him. Write it down and make it clear enough to read. In other words, place it, place it on a billboard. Place it where everyone can see. Uh, with letters large enough for everyone to, to see what it is. And so these instructions were given to Habakkuk enough for everyone to see in these uh, following complaints he had with God about the, the evils at the time that he was in Babylon uh, who had already conquered several other large nations. And, you know, the Babylonians and, um, and all of that. The rise of the Babylonians was a deep burden, was a threat to uh, Habakkuk and of evil coming upon the people of Judah. Why would God allow this to happen? So he's pouring out these complaints. And although the first chapter we find Habakkuk complaining to God, and here in the second he wonders, what God, what's God going to say to my question? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm waiting for the worst. I'm waiting for him to give me the worst thing, and I'll, I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I will wait to see what God says, how he's going to answer my complaint. That's what he was doing. And so how does God answer him in this? He simply instructs him to write down what I'm going to say to you. Write down this dream. The word vision in the original language can also be translated as a dream. So it could have actually been a dream that he had. And this was God's response, to write down the dream and make it clear. Why would 
God want Habakkuk to write down his dream? Is there something special about writing down our dreams? Some of you, you know, it talks about in Joel chapter 2, you know, young men will see visions, old men will see dreams. So if you're still seeing vision, that means you're still young. No. <laughs> no. no. If, you, if you're a dreamer, some of you are dreamers, and you just have these uh, dreams that you can remember. I can't hardly ever remember my dreams, but I hear stories of people that can just remember. That, and God speaks through dreams. He does, absolutely, and visions as well. But um, we dream almost every day, you know, but... but um, another way to look at it, you know, write down things that, what is God speaking to you? And maybe God does speak to you in dreams or visions or just thoughts. You know, God put drops, random thoughts into you. And it could be God thoughts. You know, it isn't just la last night's pizza. It, I did have pizza last night. But I mean, I, it wasn't last night's pizza that I had. It's actually, hmm, God is hmm, prompting me. He's giving me a word. Um, and so, you know, sometimes he gives us goals. Um, and we also have to have goals. We, you know, talk about in the business world or athletics or ac academics, if we're going to be successful, we have to have goals for ourselves. You know, we have to have a vision. Rebecca gives an example of five things we can do for God to answer our prayers. In chapter 1, he asks God for these, these specific questions. Um, then in chapter 2, he waits uh, that he's going to climb that watchtower and wait and see, write down, God tells him what I'm going to give you. The first step is, these are all good. These are W's I want to give you today. You can write these down if you want. But one is that you can have, you can withdraw. You can uh, get in a lone place with God, just like Habakkuk did. I will climb my watchtower. I'm going to have this quiet place with God. Uh, so you withdraw, get, have that devotion time, have that place of solitude, if you will. And secondly is wait. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Sometimes I don't have the patience to wait. Um, but waiting means calm your thoughts, your emotions, to get quiet, get, um, to be patient. <laughs> uh, in our impatient world, this is a hard concept for a lot of people, to wait. How many of you like to wait? Anyone like to wait? Or, you know, you really do. I mean, I, I mean, I like to go in the mountains and you know. But you know, Jill and my my view of of relaxing are different. You know, Jill could go somewhere and sit on a you know in, in a on a beach setting in a beautiful place and read a book all day, every day, for several days. And I'm like, let's go, let's go explore, let's go do something, you know. <laughs> got to go see these places. You know? So for our 30th year anniversary, I said, where in the world do you want to go for our anniversary? Uh, and she decided, I mean, it took her a long time, because I'm thinking, okay, she's going to go on a cruise, I know it, I just know it, she's doing it. <laughs> Sit on a cruise, and we're just going to, yeah, okay. And, and I did. I, I, I said, whatever you want, that's fine. She also knows me, too, but um, she decided we're going to go to Peru. Let's go to Peru, see Machu Picchu, and, um, and then 
go to the Amazon and spend a number of days in the Amazon in this remote place on the Amazon River. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> it's like, let's do it. So we did. We traveled and saw Machu Picchu and, and uh, spent all this time. And there are bugs like you would never, <laughs> ever go and find anywhere else in the world on the Amazon. But it was a cool experience because, yes, we got to have times of rest, but also explore, which I like to do. Um, where did I go with that? Waiting, waiting, yes. <laughs> waiting, it's good to wait uh, and be patient. Three is what I like to do is watch, watch. Let's God give you that, uh, if you will, mental picture. Uh, watch and see what he's going to show you. Third thing Habakkuk says, I will look and see what he's going to say to me. Um, and then fourth is write. Write it out. This is where Mike loves me talking about this. When you have your devotional time, write it out. Your journal. Get a journal and write it out. Some of you are journalers and you can just like put me to shame on that. Writing. Um, I've never been a writer, but God has sometimes forced me to write things over the years, um, which I'm glad he did because I've learned through writing something that's not natural to me, but um, not natural to Mike Freeman either. But um, <laughs> so, but uh, he loves me talking about it. Um, write down clearly what God speaks to you because it's just taking that thought and putting it to action, doing something with it. And I always say that God will give you a nugget, uh, a, a precious gem every day in his word. And sometimes all we do is that we open up the Bible, we get that, and we go, oh, that, that makes my heart pitter-patter. That feels so good. And then you close your Bible, and someone asks you, what did God speak to you today? And you go, Something. God spoke to me, it felt really good. I had that little pitter-patter in my heart, and I smiled. Or you could take that precious gem and invest it, and write in it out, because you know what? Sometimes it's for you, but it's also for you to share with someone else. And you go, hey, look what I got in my journal. I think this word's for you. This is what God said. And you're giving your own little, God is giving you a sermonette that you can give to someone else. A little sermon, if you will. It might be just what someone needs because you are reading in the Bible and you have that word, God speak to you. And then fifth is worship. You thank God for speaking to you. And Habakkuk did that. He said in chapter 3, verse 2, Oh Lord, now I have heard your report and I worship you in awe. That part of, he was able to say, thank you. Um, this not only is God's talks to you, obviously, but this is one of the ways it works and reminds me um, this way that God gets my attention and he is deserving of praise for that. God has given us a destiny and a purpose and if you don't know what that is, to find out what purpose and his will for you and his gifts and his calling, because he does. He has a plan for all of you. Uh, and so just as the God gave me the vision for this church, you know, we prayed about it, we wrote it down, now we're determined to be intentional about it and then to try to stay on track with that as a church. Um, 
And last, uh, number two is our missional vision is our conviction. Like Lewis and Clark, the first leading into the uncharted territory, um, they had to make some changes. They had to, you know, but it was also their conviction. This is our conviction. We're going to stay on track and we're going to find the Pacific Ocean, whether it kills us or not. Conviction is the core ideology in action. And as the pastor, I make sure that we are clear and that we're committed to our mission. And our mission demands that we must make decisions based on our convictions. So the mission is, um, the, this is from Todd Bolsinger's book as well on the, on the uh, canoeing the mountains. He said this, the mission is when enacted and owned becomes a conviction that holds and changes us it is a simple, clear, and almost humble statement of the reason we, as a congregation, believe we are occupying a bit of real estate God has given us at this moment in history. And before acting on conviction, we actually have to have conviction. We actually have to have conviction, yeah. So mission trumps and real transformation in a congregation is only going to occur when the mission and the decision it inspires begins as a clear personal conviction of the leader first and a clear and thought out conviction that comes from within one's values and is consistent with one's beliefs. It's like a healthy spine and a strong core muscles. They enable us to stand without wavering, to keep our balance and to stay grounded without having to be overly decisive or attacking. And we as a well-rooted sequoia can stand through fires and storms. Others may get blown away or consumed, but conviction helps us stand. That's from that book. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen People, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I believe in the priesthood of believers, of you. Whether young or older, and I believe that the entirety of the church, not just the pastor, or staff, or leaders, has to be committed to the vision and the conviction that makes it happen. And lastly, a missional vision pushes us forward. Um, Lewis and Clark, again, had many setbacks, but they didn't let that stop them. They were in it for the long haul and found ways and people to help them fulfill the mission. Who is the one person that actually helped them fulfill the mission? Sacagawea. Uh, she was, uh, let me try to say this, Lemmy, Lemhi Shoshone woman uh, from that tribe who helped Lewis and Clark and their expedition, of which they probably couldn't have made it without her help um, because she knew, obviously, the land being, uh, but she also, by her language, by her culture, by that, we're able to help them make it to complete their mission. Becoming like Jesus together requires us to rely on the Holy Spirit 
and his word for his empowerment and his leading. And where there are times that I'm just overwhelmed. I'm, I'm tired. Uh, or I don't think I can go on. God does give me the strength. He does give me the endurance and the wisdom and the grace and much more than I think or I can imagine. Because I can't do it without you, obviously. And we also need to be active participants in God's mission because this time is short. If you don't realize that, our time is short in the Lord's return. And it has exponentially happened even in the last couple of years. We see the birth pangs it talks about in the last days. Uh, you know, it talks about in the Gospels of, you know, earthquakes, famines. We experienced a famine, didn't we? We experienced, you know, our, you know sicknesses, that is. A lot of things happening. And, uh, you know, first of all, God calls us all to be missional. And it is his command to love God and love people and with his love and his power of his church. You see, his commission, sometimes we get the commission before the commandment, great commandment of God. And we don't ever want to go on the great commission of God until we understand the love of God. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love people or love our neighbor as ourselves, That must come first before we're ever sent out to go anywhere. Because we don't want to thump people with the Bible. We don't want to just tell them a bunch of sinners and they're all bad and they're all going to hell. Some people try to that and it doesn't work too well. Um, but it is actually sometimes going to a square in Switzerland and giving them a picture and saying, you're made in the image of God. Thank you. Thank you. I, I needed to hear that today. Um, sometimes it's just going, hey, can I pray for you? In the grocery store or wherever you may be or at work. Wow, that's a shocker. Who does that? You know, it's being missional wherever you are, sharing the love of Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us with His it talks about the Holy Spirit represented like a fire. You know, it happened on the day of Pentecost that, that wherever we go, we could catch fires for Jesus. That wherever we go, we can pray for those that are sick and people will get healed. We can share the gospel that, and lead people to Christ. That's not just my job. It might even be something radical like, casting out demons, and raising the dead. Becoming like Jesus is doing what Jesus did. And I don't know what your dream is, what you are chasing, or maybe even what fears you're facing, but there's a moment of truth when we need to run to the fire, not away from it. I'm a firefighter. I volunteer, and I like to sometimes go into fires. You know, it's kind of fun. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe you've heard of the saying, ready, set, go. Well, try saying, go, set, ready instead. Because if you wait till you're always ready, you'll be waiting till the day you die. Go, set, ready. <laughs> go first. Then in the, in the going, God will work it out, just like we've heard today of people that are going 
And, God, and we hear the miraculous provision of God's taking care of them. And we hear, most of all, the stories and the testimonies. And I hope that bolsters your faith to do the same. Many wait to get ready to get married, to have kids, to go on a mission trip, to, you know, or to give or to serve. The fact is you'll never be completely ready as you step out in faith. The issue isn't readiness, it's willingness. When God gives you a vision and a mission, he says go. And when you go, then get ready for the adventure. And then watch and see what crazy and exciting things that he's going to do through you. Amen? Lord, thank you that you call us to be a missional presence of your love, most of all. And I pray, Lord, for each one here that you may empower them by the power of your Holy Spirit, not just in, in their readiness or logic, but God, I pray that you may equip them and empower them wherever they are and wherever they go to be going and in their going, you will give them the words that they need to say at the moment they ask. And I, I'm always asking, Lord, I don't know what to say to this person, but I, I pray that whatever comes out of my mouth would be from you. And sometimes it's like that. Or it might be challenge some of you to step out in faith. It might be someone to pray, to give, or to go. And I pray, Lord, that all of us, here, even hearing the stories of of Billy and Ben today would be encouraging to us all to be partners together with them in ministry. Of David Gambrell that's in CWAM right now preparing as well to go on a mission. I pray, Lord God, you'd provide for all of them. Of, of Brenda and Elijah that are going to be going to Papua New Guinea. Of many others that we support in the Hubbards in, in uh, Costa Rica, Lord. We pray for all of our missionaries. God, we thank you that some you call to be full-time on the field, and I thank you for them, Lord. And uh, that we, in this little church in Polson, Montana, can be a church that is about here, but also about near and far. And I thank you for these amazing stories that we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.